1958. Straddling the equator, the gorgeous Isabella Island gleams in the sun. Its distinctive shape means that it looks like a whimsical seahorse floating in the sapphire blue of the Pacific Ocean. Isabella is the largest volcanic island of the Galapagos archipelago. Remote, largely unknown and all but inhospitable, more than 600 miles from continental Ecuador. It's home to a plethora of unusual species, including giant tortoises, land iguanas and Galapagos penguins. And it's an occasional way station for pirates, whalers and those on scientific expeditions. It is a little world within itself, in the words of Charles Darwin. There are just a few shabby wooden cabins on this lonely island, built and once occupied by American soldiers who had been posted here during the Second World War. But on the southeastern edge, there are settled people, or rather, there are settled men, some 300 men. And day after day, with the scorching sun beating down relentlessly upon them, they each hoist huge jagged slabs of blackened rock onto their shoulders and heave it across part of the island. They trudge, one behind another, on and on, rarely speaking. Their cut and calloused skin continuously chafes and burns. They are gradually building an enormous wall of precariously piled stones, eight metres high and 100 metres long. But this wall encloses and protects nothing. It leads nowhere. It serves no purpose whatsoever. It is named the Wall of Tears, and its construction is a gruelling and meaningless task concocted by the men's 30 wardens to occupy their prisoners. Because Isabella is a penal colony, not a paradise island, but a floating prison, known as the place where the strong cry and the weak die. It is one of many notorious islands of exile, places often shrouded in secrecy and forgotten to history, but also places that can help us to make sense of our own experiences of social distancing, quarantine and lockdown now. Welcome to The Timely Historian with me, Simone Bellani. Episode 7, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. and most obvious reason for incarcerating prisoners on islands rather than in mainland jails was to segregate the most dangerous and hardened criminals from the rest of society and to contain them in a place from which there was no escape. Far away and sheltered from public view, these could however become sites of terrible cruelty too. Perhaps the most dreaded and savage of all was Devil's Island in French Guiana, established by Emperor Napoleon III in 1852. During its 101 years of operation, some 80,000 of the French Empire's convicts were deported to Devil's Island. Living conditions were appalling, and the guards' behaviour often sadistic, and it's estimated that less than 3% ever returned from the island. Upon arrival, prisoners received a sinister warning. Here in Guyana... You enjoy a great amount of liberty, and you can try to escape whenever you like. But we have two constantly watching guardians who are always at their posts. The jungle 
and the sea. In the jungle it will be a death from hunger. In the sea, the sharks will get you. Prisoners toiled for 12 hours a day in the merciless heat and humidity, logging wood, cutting cane, building their own jailhouses and hospital. They lived in barracks designed to hold 40 and described as pig pens, with rows of concrete beds along the wall, wooden blocks for pillows nailed down at one end and leg irons at the other. They were tormented by mosquitoes, hookworm and vampire bats, and some succumbed to malaria or tuberculosis or dysentery. The mental anguish drove others to insanity. Any resistance would be punished by starvation or long stretches in solitary confinement or even beheading. Devil's Island was nicknamed the Dry Guillotine because its captives endured a living death, their bodies and their spirits utterly broken. But it was not only violent or dangerous convicts who were left languishing on prison islands. In the case of dissidents, it was their ideas and opposition to government policy which led to their exile, their government's attempts to isolate, silence and make an example of these undesirables. Today, Alcatraz in the Bay of San Francisco is best known for housing murderous gangsters of the USA's Prohibition era, but before that, Alcatraz was a military prison. During the First World War, its inmates were conscientious objectors, men whose moral convictions or religion prevented them from participating in war. But at Alcatraz, they were vilified as military deserters and subjected to a variety of different forms of punishment and torture. The most chilling was their confinement in so-called Iron Maidens, coffin cages in which prisoners were locked upright in barred crates just 23 inches by 12 inches, which were bolted onto cell doors. And there, in what one captive described as a veritable iron straitjacket, they remained for eight hours, before spending the following 16 in solitary confinement, immured in a pitch-black, damp dungeon cell, with only a bucket for a bathroom and bread for a meal. Half a century later, South Africa's Robben Island was used as a maximum security prison for political opponents to the state system of institutional racial segregation, or apartheid. Most famously, Nelson Mandela served 18 of his 27-year sentence there. He spent his nights in solitude in a bare 7 by 9 foot cell, and his days doing hard labour in a nearby limestone quarry, endlessly digging rock in such unsparing conditions that his eyes were damaged by snow blindness. And finally, exile islands were used to deposit and enclose entire communities that were perceived to pose a danger to others, however unwittingly. In the 13th century, the Venetian Republic passed a law ordering all glassmakers to leave their homes and businesses in Venice and move to the island of Murano. This because it feared that the artisans' furnaces might cause fires which would spread uncontrollably and raise the city's mainly wooden buildings to the ground. Once there, the glassblowers were forbidden to leave the island. And in the 19th century, a distant but stunning spit of land on the Hawaiian island of Molokai was used as a leper colony. Over 150 years, more than 8,000 people afflicted with what we now know as Hansen's disease were torn away from their families, reviled and largely abandoned there. 
already suffering from a painful disease, they were doomed to live out their lives in the shadows of the treacherous sea cliffs, forever hemmed in by the ocean. Despite their infamy while they functioned, many of these prisons have faded away from collective memory, and the islands where they once stood have been reinvented altogether. The penal colony on Isabella Island, for instance, was abandoned in 1959, and today it's part of Ecuador's Galapagos National Park. In 1999, Robben Island became a UNESCO World Heritage Site because of its value as a, quote, symbol of the triumph of the human spirit of freedom and of democracy over oppression. And Devil's Island is now part of the Guyana Space Centre, one of the French space agency's two spaceports. While much of the horror once associated with these places is now confined to history, there's still something eerily relevant about these secluded prison islands. Incarceration there was not always characterised by physical suffering or psychological abuse, the island of St Helena, Napoleon's final jail for example, was really quite pleasant. While there he was given a spacious residence and was free to dictate his memoirs and allowed to walk or ride in the company of his fairly sizeable entourage. But it's clear that what all of these prison islands had in common is that by their very nature they were almost unreachable, and for their captives the consequent loneliness, boredom and hopelessness constituted an important part of their punishment. So, if after a year of living through a pandemic, it feels as though isolating has taken a toll on our health and well-being, it's because it does. If you feel tired, even though you're less active than usual, bored, although you have so much more time to read, listen and watch TV, alone, even though you're always messaging and calling others, take comfort that most people are feeling that way. After all, in the immortal words of John Donne, no man is an island. Spotlight on sources. I read two harrowing first-hand accounts in researching this episode. The first longer and more detailed text was Dry Guillotine, 15 Years Amongst the Living Dead by René Belbenois. First published in 1938, its author describes his incarceration and several escape attempts from Devil's Island in vivid and often stomach-turning terms. The second pamphlet-length account was the defiant Uncle Sam's Devil Island by Philip Grosser, an American conscientious objector who was incarcerated at Alcatraz until 1920. Both are available to read online. I've included links in the show notes. If you're interested in the workings of the modern-day prison system, especially in the USA, then I'd also wholeheartedly recommend the 2008 documentary Behind Bars, made by the marvellous Louis Theroux for the BBC. It focuses on life in California's San Quentin State Prison, and since 2017, the inmates there have also produced their own podcast called Ear Hustle. Last year, Ear Hustle was named a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize in audio reporting for bringing audiences, quote, a consistently surprising and beautifully crafted series on life behind bars. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. 
If you've got any comments, questions or suggestions, let me know on Instagram. Just search for at the Timely Historian. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with others too. Goodbye for now.